Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Have you ever felt like there's something wrong with a story you've been told? Like something is profoundly off with the worldview that has been taught to us? You're not alone. More and more of us feel like we've been given a false and outdated narrative about ourselves, the universe, and our place in it. And today, we're at a point where cutting-edge new science and ancient spiritual wisdom are merging, offering us a new understanding of reality that can guide the human family, the individual, and the collective consciousness to evolve, leading us out of dis-ease and to the healing of humanity and the planet. Separation is an illusion, and the story of separation we've been told for the last few thousand years is at the root of many of the issues we're facing now. This episode's guest, Dr. Jude Curavan, is a cosmologist, futurist, and planetary healer, and she joins us today to talk about the essential nature of the universe and how cosmic unity permeates every level of existence, from the atomic to the personal to the galactic. Jude holds a PhD in archaeology from the University of Reading and a master's degree in physics from Oxford University, specializing in cosmology and quantum physics. She is the co-founder of Whole Worldview, and she's the author of six nonfiction books. Her latest, The Cosmic Hologram, is the first of the Transformation Trilogy. The second book in the series, Gaia, Her Story, will be published this fall. The emerging realization that unity is the foundation of all being will profoundly impact humanity in the years to come, providing hope and inspiration that we can evolve and transform the world. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Jude, welcome to the Superhumanize podcast. It is a profound pleasure to connect with you and to be able to have this time with you. Thank you, Ariane. And as we were saying, thanks to our dear friend, Jen, for introducing us. So it's lovely to be with you today. Absolutely. Jennifer has really been a miracle in my life, connecting me to souls such as you that whose mission is elevating not only individuals, but the planet, humanity as a whole. So it's an absolute privilege to be able to call Jen a friend. And it's an absolute privilege to be with you right now. Thank you so, so much. And I'm really excited as where our exploration is going to take us today. Me too. And Jude, I want to jump in right into the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Yes, let's do it. You say that the old paradigm of science is fundamentally flawed and that our universe isn't a great thing. It's a great thought. Can you expound on that, please? 
Okay. First of all, science has brought us a long way for the last three to 400 years. It's delved deeper into the nature of reality, looked out further, looked smaller than we've ever been able to do before. But what it's also done is it's followed a path, and there have been very sensible reasons for following this path, that really has taken it away from a historical perspective of us all being part of a web of life and as foundationally being spiritual beings, having a human experience. So that spiritual aspects of ourselves have been put more and more to the side. And science really has sought to understand what we call the physical world, but universal wisdom teachings, spiritual traditions, indigenous teachings tell us that the nature of reality is much more expansive than that. And yet, because of the significance and the importance of the discoveries of science and what they mean in our everyday lives and their technologies, we've collectively and progressively bought into its perspective of reality, which has been solely materialistic. And of course, one of the great, the great methodologies of science is to take stuff apart to see what it's made of at ever smaller and smaller pieces. But as my friend and, and colleague Deepak Chopra says, that's like taking a radio apart and wondering where the music's got to. <laughs> Although recently science has appreciated that to look at things such as ecosystems, for example, need to be looked at as a whole, reducing them to their constituents, losers an incredibly important aspect of their interconnectivities. Mm -hmm. But that science of materialist separation, because of course that reductionism, that taking apart, has led it to perceive a universe of things, a mechanistic universe where we too are essentially things. And it's come to a view that our universe is essentially without meaning or intrinsic purpose. And somehow from its beginning, it's found its way from simplicity to complexity and ever greater levels of awareness. And somehow along that route, consciousness, immaterial consciousness arose from our material brains. Now, <laughs> so that worldview, that scientific based worldview of materialism and separation, is now being turned completely on its head. So instead of a world of things, and I wasn't the first to, to term our universe more like a great thought, that was the Edwardian philosopher, Sir James Jeans. He said a hundred years ago, our universe is appearing more and more to be a great thought rather <laughs> than a great thing. And Einstein added to that and said that separation is a delusion of consciousness, and that all we call reality is the manifestation of cosmic mind. So now, now, when we've come all this route to a point where that science of separation and our worldview based on it and our narrative, which is a story we tell ourselves about who we are, has brought us to the edge of catastrophe. It's mm. brought us to living as an existentially threatened species through our own behaviours and choices that have effectively come from that worldview. And now, at this very moment, that the evidence is coming forward to completely turn that worldview upside down and instead is showing us that what the ancients have told us, what indigenous mm. teachings have told us, 
is that is by far the, the deeper understanding of reality. So science is coming late to the party, but it is showing up. <laughs> Thank goodness it is. And you're touching on something so crucial here, Jude, this to a certain level innate feeling of separation that so many people carry. And that's a really heavy burden and which is clearly a result of these stories that we've been told, the stories of separation, which of course bring with them a feeling of having no purpose, a feeling of being meaningless. And what you explained in the course of the old scientific worldview that at some point just consciousness arose from our brains. So like an accident, science, as you said, is now catching up and has joined the party. For those people who say this is all beautiful philosophy and these ancient scriptures and wisdom are nice, but show me the evidence. So people who are just really very focused on the way they've been taught all their lives. Can you give us some examples of the science of some of the discoveries that have been made in the last years that illuminate this? I'd be delighted to. And I sympathize with those folks. I really do, because our worldview based on that materialism, scientific materialism and separation. First of all, I would say that the appearance of the world is seemingly a world of separation. And so its appearance is very convincing that we are separate. And yet when we drill down to ever smaller and smaller scales, we find two key things. Mm -hmm. First of all, the solidity that we associate with the physical world that seems very solid. When we drill down with smaller and smaller scales, we find that apparent solidity mm -hmm. is ever more ephemeral. At the scale of atoms and 99.9999999999999% emptiness, no thingness. Mm -hmm. And what remains then is relationships of what we call fields. And we've tended to describe them as energy and matter, but we're now realizing that the appearance of energy and matter and the appearance of the space-time of our universe are themselves emerging from deeper levels of non-physical causation. And those levels of non-physical causation are essentially conscious, intelligent, mindful. So the whole appearance of our world, the whole appearance of our universe emerges from those deep levels of causation. And the other thing we're appreciating through our studies, for example, of black holes, is if we take our studies of black holes, scale it up to, to look at the whole universe, cosmologists are appreciating that our universe is a holographic projection mm -hmm. from the boundary of what we call space and time. So all of these things all are coming together, all scales of existence mm -hmm. and across many fields of research. And the way that we're confident of this is we're finding the same patterns, the same relational patterns. And they are patterns that are expressed as energy matter, but underpinning them is meaningful information. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is a new emergent understanding that cosmic mind, as Einstein would call it, the infinite and eternity of cosmic mind has a thought And that thought is our universe. And 
the thought of that universe is created in such a way that it actually is manifest from a universal alphabet, just two levels, two, two alphabet scales, ones and zeros mm-hmm. of digitized information. So just like our technologies, mm-hmm. all the way that we communicate now is that images, sounds are translated, the information about them is translated into digitized form, squirted off satellites down the internet, whatever it may be, and then retranslated into the appearance. Mm-hmm. Thing in holograms. The difference is that our universe uses only two letters, the digitized letters, coming together in meaning, which our technologies do. And unlike our English alphabet with 26 letters, our universe manages it with two. But also the holograms of our technologies. Do you know the word pixel? I do know the word pixel. Let's elaborate about that a little bit, though, for those in the audience who may need a little refresh. Okay. What a pixel is, it's a single little area within which there's one piece of information, one digital bit of information. So we talk about our technologies being high definition. Yeah. What that means is that the pixelation of the information is tiny. So if we look at an image, it looks incredibly detailed. We can't look close enough and see the little pixels because they're so small. So it looks to us as a continuous image. Yeah. The pixelation scale of our universe is a trillion, trillion times smaller than the best high definition of, of our holograms and our technologies that we have. Pixelation of our universe is as tiny compared to an atom, is the, as an atom is to our entire universe. Mm. And yet we have this now, these discoveries that are showing that the patterns, you know, at all scales of existence, from atoms to planetary systems, to, to our planetary home, to us, to our collective behaviors, to the ecosystems and coastlines and clouds of our planetary home, to our whole planetary system and the way the orbits of the planets are harmonically resonant, to galaxies, to vast galaxies, to the whole universe. We're seeing the same patterns, which are called fractals. And what fractal patterns are, they're these relational patterns that scale up and scale down. And we see them everywhere. And they are the signature of a universe that I'm, uh, uh, of the universe as I'm describing it. Beautiful. Jude, can you give us some concrete example of these fractal patterns that basically underpin all of existence, maybe on a cosmic scale and also how we can see it in, in some of our worlds, whether it's our technological world, whether it's how we assume as humans grow and spread across the globe. Okay, let's start with a really easy example, which is when we look at a fern, we see a whole fern, and then we look a bit closer, and we see a whole frond, and then we look a bit closer, and we see a tiny part of that frond. Mm -hmm. But the tiny parts and the bigger parts and the bigger parts are the same shapes. Yeah. Now, when we look at something like a coastline, for many years, it was was, the research suggests there were no patterns in a coastline. And yet 
Benoit Mandelbrot, who's called the father of fractals, wanted to understand at a deeper level. So he looked at coastlines and he zoomed in to coastlines. He looked at them at smaller and smaller and smaller scales. And he found that the same repeating patterns were happening. So a whole coastline, if you zoomed in, that coastline was full of smaller aspects of the coastline. He looked deeper in, smaller and smaller. So he came up with this view of coastlines and many other natural phenomena having what's fractal relationships. Mm -hmm. In other words, if we look at a triangle, yeah, see a triangle, has three sides, it has three internal angles. And that triangle, if I scale it up ever bigger or scale it down to smaller, it keeps the same relationships between its sides and its angles. Now that's an ideal pattern. We don't see coastlines shaped as triangles. We don't see clouds shaped as triangles. But if you amass the enormous amount of data that he did, and many other researchers have since, you can see that there are these fractal patterns of ge geometries and geometrical relationships. And mathematically, they fall somewhere between one-dimensional and two-dimensional. So the outline of a cloud has a fractal dimension of 1.24 or 1.26, yeah? But those patterns then we find, for example, in ecosystems, mm -hmm. system, whether it's a forest or an Amazon base, you're very fortunate to live where you are. But, you know, where there are forests and we look at all the data points that make up that living, beautiful ecosystem and the connections between them, we find that they too embody the same fractal patterns. When we look at the internet, from the get-go and when it was not so absolutely vast that even supercomputers weren't able to analyze it, the actual architecture of the internet, the way that nodes between websites happen, the way that the connectivity within the internet works, it's exactly the same fractal patterning as we see in biological ecosystems. It's extraordinary, literally. And in 2017, the final bit of the evidence at the cosmic scale, the universal scale, is we found these exact same patterns in tiny temperature differences in something called the cosmic microwave background. Now that is the relic radiation left over from a very early epoch of our universe when space had expanded and time had flowed but space had expanded and cooled enough that space itself became transparent to light and when that happened this early this primordial radiation continued to fill the whole of space as space continued to expand and time to flow forward so in 2017 Researchers looked at tiny temperature differences between the whole of the cosmic microwave background and so the whole of space, and we found the same patterns. And what you just mentioned, Jude, so this, I think, would be interesting for our audience to look at it a little more in detail. So in the beginning, the universe, as I understand it and as I've heard, was quite dense. So it was actually not transparent for light, but it was transparent for sound. 
It was indeed. And it basically, I, I, to go back to that first moment, were you taught at school that our universe began as a Big Bang? Of course. <laughs> yes. It wasn't big and it wasn't a bang. Uh-huh. <laughs> basically, it was minute. And I know that we know that it, the Big Bang came from a very minute source. But the point was our universe didn't begin in the implied chaos that a bang suggests mm. instead. It was incredibly ordered and exquisitely fine-tuned. And so that birth was the first moment of an ongoing big breath. So Mm. space expands and time flows. This big breath continues. But you're right. At that moment, all the energy and matter that exists now existed then, but very much balanced. So it's changed through time. But Mm. everything that we're made up of now was essentially present at the beginning of our universe, but in the most simplest of forms. But it was incredibly dense. And the big thing was it was incredibly hot, but it was transparent to sound, as you say. So the ancient teachings that talk about the primordial arm, our universe did begin with a primordial arm, but this arm lasted 380,000 years. And when it ended, it was because space had expanded and cooled enough to become transparent to light. And that's when the cosmic microwave background, as it's called, that relic radiation is still with us. And we can measure it and see these fractal patterns. But what that OM did, it literally pulsed through space. It literally shepherded and pulsed the first matter into what would become millions of years later, the first stars. That's incredible. The thought is so beautiful and it's absolutely mind-blowing how it ties into things that have been shared with us since ancient times. One of the things that comes to mind and that, of course, also in the Christian belief system you have is the breath of life. The other is of other cultures whose creation stories, the origin of everything comes from sound. The universe, the world has been sung into life. Yes. So and it, it is a universe of, that is living. It is a conscious, living and evolving universe. And therefore it has, unlike the old paradigm that we were talking about earlier, this emergent new understanding of a conscious, living, evolving universe has innate meaning and evolutionary purpose. And we're part of it. As conscious co-creators, which is, of course, uh, polar opposite to the story that many of us have been given to onto our life path, the story of separation and meaninglessness. How can we actually reconnect to the story of meaning to what is our birth and also our purpose here? The one thing is of course, to realize it and embrace it on an individual level. And certain people are already a little bit more open and more connected to this than many others. How can we help the collective heal? Uh, That's a vital point because of course the illusion of separation and reality is real, but separation is illusory. But that appearance of separation and us buying into that story, that narrative, 
has, as you say, Ariane, it's created so much trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, the loneliness, of that feeling of separation is just basically lonely. Mm-hmm. So healing the trauma that we're, we've been dragging with us yeah. is an enormously important part of our being able to move forward. Ken Wilber talks about mm-hmm. these times as a process of waking up, and so many people are waking up, to understand that deeper reality where we're inseparable, but where it's unity is expressed in vast and wondrous and radical diversity. So anything we can do for ourselves and for each other to help wake up is really the first step. Then when we wake up, we can begin to grow up. And when we grow up, we can begin to understand this unity and diversity that is the deeper reality. And clean up, which means resolving and healing and releasing our trauma. And when we go beyond the denial of the trauma, when we open up to to receive help, Mm -hmm. help comes. Whether it's someone like wonderful like you and Jennifer, who are healers, whether and our Mother Earth is the most incredible healer when we open up to her love and her wisdom. And then we can show up. And when we show up, we can link up and lift up. And when we link up and lift up, just where the cells in our bodies, we've got 37 trillion cells in our bodies. They all link up. They all work together. They all cooperate. They're all part of who we are. And all the way through the story, the ongoing story of our planetary home for the last four and a half billion years has been one where there's been competition, to, you know, to help get the healthy resilience within what I call her Gaia sphere. But progressively, all her evolution from simplicity to complexity is through cooperation, is through coming together and realizing that together we can co-create something that is greater than the sum of our parts. Mm. And that's the whole story of our universe. It's a story of planetary home. And it can be the story of us. It has been to some degree, but it needs to. Now is the time. Now is the time for us to really come together in cooperation and synergies and realize that our unity and diversity to be celebrated and literally invite us to the next step in our evolution. Yes. And I love something that I've heard you say a few times that unity does not mean uniformity. And also what you just mentioned that the radical diversity is the way this universe expresses itself. And also this illusion of separation to switch from that perception to actually perceiving that our universe is non-locally interconnected. It's something that ancient wisdom and scripture have taught us for thousands and thousands of years, whether it's the Vedic tradition via the Upanishads or the Chinese I Ching. And uh, some of the things you mentioned before, science today is coming to the same conclusion, especially if you look at quantum physics and some of the experiments that have been conducted. There was a really interesting experiment that you will be much more familiar with the details and perhaps you can share with us. But in 2018, that's right. right. Can you talk to us about that? Again, for the people who would be asking us to please show the evidence. Absolutely. Also for them. 
And maybe we can also show a link to the wholeworld-view.org website, because there we show a lot of the evidence and based on my books, but across many tens of thousands of researchers. So we have the science of unity on the website. We have loads of resources to, to explore further. But you're absolutely right. And quantum physics itself to work actually calls for a universe that is, that exists and evolves as a non-locally unified entity. And for a long time, even though that underpinned the whole of quantum physics, the researchers were saying yes at the quantum scale, but no at larger and larger scales. And then over many years, the larger and larger scales came to the size of organic molecules and then which were non-locally connected and then the size of small diamonds that were non-locally connected. But the 2018 experiment really hit that out of the ballpark because what experimenters at the MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology showed, they were able to non-locally, it was called entangle, photons of light in a laboratory with starlight from 600 light years away, coming down a telescope and connecting with these lab photons. And then light from what's called a quasar, which is an incredibly powerful galactic center from 12.2 billion years away. Whoa! So that light left that quasar 12.2 billion years ago. So that is pretty much cosmological scale to, mm -hmm. to evidentially show non-locality and of course non-locality and our consciousness with mind and consciousness not something we have but what we in the whole world are this emergent model is of a multi-dimensional conscious living evolving universe mm -hmm. non-locally unified and so all of the multidimensional experiences that so many people have, what we call supernormal phenomena, like telepathy and remote viewing, our basic superpower of intuition, synchronicities, none of these violate causality within space-time. All of them are naturally explained and a natural phenomena of the emergent understanding, this whole worldview that we've been exploring today. And when we look at this multidimensional nature of the universe and on also how it's non-locally connected, how can we, I've had experiences that you've talked about, whether it's intuition or clairvoyance, things like that ever since I was a child. And you go from when you operate within the old belief system, you go from believing you're a little bit crazy whacked or something's off with you. Once you discover the new science and new thought paradigms and looking at this 2018 experiment of MIT, of course, there comes the aha moment. Oh no, not only am I not crazy, I am normal. This is something that is innate in us. However, it feels like many of us are quite cut off from it. So what are ways which we can connect to this non-local intelligence of the universe in a better way? And as you say, Ariane, it's our innate, mm. it's who we are. It's our inherent legacy and heritage as co-creators, mm -hmm. microcosmic co-creators of our universe. I think there are many ways, but there are many paths. 
-hmm. And it is a journey, as I'm sure you appreciate. But it begins, I think, by being open to the possibility. You know, I think for many young children, we remember this when we come into this world. And it's natural. I had my first multidimensional experience when I was four years old and it's been with me all my life so at that age it's natural and I didn't actually share it with anyone at the Mm. time other than all of the discarnate (laughs) communities I was getting involved with so nobody ever told me you're crazy so I grew up not being told I'm crazy to have these experiences Mm. but as you say so many young people and into adulthood are and yet they're not we're not it's not so just being open is a great first step and then perhaps beginning some form of practice that inner practice whether it's being out in nature just being with trees trees are such amazing teachers mother earth Gaia is such an amazing teacher when we open to her miracles the synchronicities flow the miracles of experiences flow maybe yoga it whatever it is some form of regular practice helps to open us up and helps to soften that apparent separation and i think that's and there are many other ways for that but just to be invited into this remembering of who we really are and i think Reconnecting to our mother, Gaia, to the earth is absolutely one of the main pillars of this. Before we actually started recording the interview, we were just getting acquainted and talking about different things. And I shared something with you. I will share it here because I think it's really important and it was absolutely transformative for me. I had been dealing with some past trauma that I had repressed for many years, if not decades, and was just working on it this past year. And one of the most profound healing experiences I have had was being in nature, in wilderness, actually, for miles and miles, no other uh, human beings around, no civilization. And as I was thinking about the past events and sitting with them, the work that I did, I had the just the intuition, the impulse to lie down on the earth, open arms and just sink into Gaia's embrace. It was as if I there was a communication going on, what was going on, because there was. And as I lay back, I felt the earth take on all this heavy, sad, negative, angry, self-loathing energy and just took it. And it flowed out of me into the earth. And ever since, any of that has it's been gone. And I feel light. I feel healed. It was quite magical uh, in a sense and magical in the way as we would define it, looking at also how everything is non-local, super natural uh, and not uh, unnatural. It's super normal. Super, <laughs> super normal. Yes. Super, super normal. normal. Right. Yes. And sharing that story again, and it's such a beautiful and powerful story, it just reminded me of a time when I'd been invited to to share with some folks what we're sharing today. It was a few years ago. And we weren't in the wilderness. We were in a room of a building in the middle of a town. And it was a group of folks that were working with troubled young people, especially. And there was one lady there who was a, a healer, a therapist, a teacher, And I just invited everybody in the room to just stand up, 
get their feet on the ground, nicely planted on the ground. And then I took them from, through a very simple visualization. I just invited them to feel a sense that they were, became a tree. So what they did is they sent their awareness down into the, it was a floor, it wasn't the ground, we're on the sort of first floor or second, it would be second floor in, in US terms, but down into the ground, down into the earth, down into the soil and on. And then when they felt that, just imagine that their awareness was spreading like the branches of a great tree. And afterwards, during this, this lady began to cry. And she shared afterwards that she had, she'd been holding so much pain because she was so compassionate and she was so caring about all those she was looking after, but she was holding it. Mm-hmm. And what this enabled her to do was to let it go like your pain down into the ground and be released. And then when she did that, she was still the tree, but now she had a sense of her branches just helping to care for all these beings that she did care for. But it was light. It was joyous. There was no heaviness anymore. Yes, you let go of the heaviness and you make space for lightness, for something new, for possibilities for actually growing into your fuller potential and a joyous expression of self. It's a wonderful thing. Um, Speaking about the, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to heal and to feel, to truly feel that, wow, everything is connected. We are consciousness. We are part of this greater whole. We are of this universe. And It seems like when you look around at a lot of things in the world that are happening, there's wonderful things happening. And I feel it's a time of great awakening. And at the same time, there's also many things happening. If you look at the news media, which I try to stay away from most of the time, but let's say you look at the news media, you see a lot of things are happening that could really throw you off, make you sad, make you angry. So a lot of things that where it feels like this old paradigm. It's just very much still rooted in what we experience. Who benefits from this old paradigm? And how can we help transcend these forces? What I would say is that all of those manifestations, conflicts, inequalities, injustices, selfishness, If we have a worldview of separation, we will have a worldview. If we have a worldview of separation, we will have a world of suffering. And that worldview of separation is essentially a collective dis-ease of our communal psyche. And yet we are beginning to wake up and heal that dis-ease. So what my perspective is that what we're still seeing in the world that emerges from that old paradigm that old worldview, that old narrative is the unhealed aspects of our collective psyche. So the more we wake up to this understanding that we're literally inseparable and yet wonderfully diverse, the more we then come together from that perspective. What happens in evolution is that we were talking earlier about fractal patterns Mm -hmm. and ecosystems and everything else, including human behaviors, all of them come from these non-physical realms of causation and are actually held 
within what are called attractor basins. And these are attractor basins are basically informational gatherings, clusterings, which are in our case, our collective perspective, our collective mindset. So we've had an attractor of our collective consciousness at a level which has brought forward all of these behaviors, these choices, these behaviors. What happens in evolution is attractor basins support the current situation as long as it's sustainable. Yeah. So they keep going round and round and the same behaviors and the same manifestations as long as that is sustainable, whether it's ecosystems or human behaviors. But when it's not sustainable, when the system itself is shocked out of its ability to be stable, it begins to break down. Then what happens in consciousness, another attractor begins to form, which is more complex, not complicated, but more complex and therefore evolutionary. Mm. And so this is the way that Gaia's biological evolution has progressed from simplicity to complexity through cooperation and higher levels of collective awareness. And that's what I feel is happening now. So we have the breakdown Mm -hmm. of the old unsustainable paradigm and perspective and consciousness of separation, an emergent worldview and narrative Mm -hmm. of unity and diversity. And what systems do if they have a chance to, and it doesn't always happen like this, they do something called flickering. They flicker from the old to the new, and then they sort of snap back because there isn't enough substance to the new. But eventually over time, more and more consciousness accrues to that evolutionary understanding and the old dies and the new emerges. And that essentially is what happens Mm. in the process of metamorphosis, where the old caterpillar in the crisp eating everything it possibly can, runs out of everything to eat, anything to eat, goes into a chrysalis, and in that chrysalis dissolves, and instead a butterfly Mm. evolves and emerges. That's how this works, and that's what's happening now. And that's what I think we're seeing, both on inner and outer levels, personally and collectively in our world. Beautiful. And was not acquainted with the term of flickering yet. That makes a lot of sense. And in order to strengthen what we're flickering towards, I heard you say something really beautiful that really resonated. And it was, you spoke about thinking cosmic, feeling global and acting local. Yeah. Yeah, very much, because there was an old saying of act local, think global. And Mm -hmm. I was having a cup of tea with my husband about five or six years ago, and I said, this isn't enough. Mm. It's not enough. And actually, it was my husband that said, what about think cosmic? Because bless him, I couldn't do anything I do without his support and love. (laughs) And it suddenly came for the two of us together, this act local whatever's in front of us, but feel global, feel that we are as we are, children of our beloved Mother Earth, and maybe we can grow up to be her co-evolutionary partner, but also think cosmic, because when we think cosmic in this way, the cosmos, our universe, in the way that we've been 
sharing today. Then we can take that out breath of meaning and purpose and then the in breath and what that meaning and purpose means in our lives, personally and communally and mm-hmm. as a human species. Jude, you are really formidable. You are such a force and you at the same time, you exude a centeredness, a calmness, a joy and a kindness. And I'd love to know from you if there are some, is there a practice that has accompanied you during your life that has helped elevate your human experience? There is one, and I refer very often to my beloved mom because she was my primary wisdom teacher on this earth. I had many wonderful discarded wisdom teachers, but she was and is my great wisdom teacher here on my earth walk. And from a very early age, the thing she taught me two things, always to be as true as I could be to myself and the most fundamental truth I could perceive And secondly, to be kind. So those two have accompanied me all my life. And I aspire to choose kindness and love in everything I do. And I also aspire to to perceive and share the deeper truths, not to impose them in any way, but to share them as an invitation for Mm. exploration together. So those have been my my dance partners all my life. Wonderful. And clearly your aspirations succeed, Jude. You have written many beautiful books. You are engaged in many different councils. You have your own platforms where you share your wisdom, where you extend the invitation to the rest of us to come on board and learn for people who do wish to learn more about you and to connect. How can they do so, Jude? Thank you, Ariane. Five years ago, when my latest book, The Cosmic Hologram, came out, it seemed that it might be able to serve as a seed point for this journey. And so I co-founded wholeworld-view.org, not as an organization, but as an organism, Mm -hmm. as an evolutionary organism to serve this emergent understanding. So folks can go to the website, they can sign up to our newsletter, And there's lots of resources and lots of evidence for what we've been sharing. And my next book coming out in October is called The Story of Gaia. And that can be, at the moment, that can be pre-ordered on, on, through Amazon or pre-ordered through whatever process people would love. And uh, yeah, I think there's, a, there's an old saying, you can run, but you can't hide. I seem to be showing up quite a lot at the moment, <laughs> but in many different ways, which shows, I think, that this is an understanding whose time has come. This is something that is inviting us to remember who we really are and supporting us with that authentic understanding and so offering us an authentic hope in going forward. Thank you, Jude, for helping us remember and reconnect with who we are truly are, what we truly are a part of. It's been such a wonderful time spent with you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And I sincerely hope we will be able to reconnect. I cannot wait for your next book to come out and perhaps have the opportunity to converse with you again. Thank you for being my guest today, Jude. Thank you, Ariane. And please, yes, do. I'd love us to. There is so much more to this incredible story of Gaia and our universe that I'd love us to share. So thank Beautiful. you. Beautiful. Thanks, thank everyone, you. for being with us.
Thank you so much. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. <laughs>